Welcome to the Gateway Scottsdale audio podcast. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv. Now, let's tune in for this week's message. I'll tell you, you were in the middle of a series that I was asked to jump in on, on fighting for the family. Well, what in the world's that about? Well, let me give you a picture. Who likes musicals? Anybody see La La Land? Did you like, uh, or, or uh, some of the older musicals? Well, here's a really old uh, musical as we, uh, light, you know, fight for the family. It's, we'll go ahead and put the picture up there. It's this um, uh, uh, 19... 53 black and white version of a musical that you may have heard now not maybe seen this one but this is my favorite version of it but it's these little kids they're street urchins you know urchins and basically they're they're um uh put in this shelter in essence and um and so while they're working all day in the factory at night they come home and then they've got these little you can see little bowls of gruel but there's one boy there's one kid that's brand new to this, and so he's still hungry after eating his gruel. And remember, anybody remember what he says? Please, sir, can I have a little, anybody remember? More. And this is the story of Oliver. Now, here's the interesting thing. We look at this, and we think, okay, that's interesting, but, um, it, you know, way over, you can't see the whole picture, but if you expanded the picture over in the side, so here's all the kids eating gruel, and then right over here, it, uh, over on the side is are all the headmasters and his minions and they've got this big turkey dinner and they're they're eating all this stuff so they're having a feast while these kids are saying please sir give me a little more now look what take a look at this next picture because look what look while they're singing you know oliver oliver never before as a kid wanted more and as they're singing their song about wanting more gruel what's on the what's up behind them Okay, God is love. Now, is that true or false? That is absolutely true. That's what we call propositional truth. And yet, here's the bottom line. It makes no difference what the signs are in our, you know, in, in our home, okay? <laughs> you know, the bottom line is, what's the experience that's going on in that home? And so what this fight for the family is, is because, you know, um, Satan just wants to keep it external. He doesn't want to really invade your home. He doesn't want you to take love and faith and love like Jesus at home. My goodness, that could actually change somebody's life if you did that. And so that's why they're doing this study on, with all the distractions, man, we need to fight for the family. And so two weeks ago, Tim Kimmel talked about, we need to fight to bring grace into our homes. So it's not just a word up in the wall, but it's what we get lived, you know, what gets lived out. And then last week, if you were here, Nicole talked about how we need a new legacy, and we can have that in Christ. For some of us, like me, um, maybe we didn't grow up in the best of backgrounds. We don't want to just replicate that. I grew up in a single-parent home. My mom and dad divorced when I was two months old. I never met my dad until I was in high school. When I did meet him, he was an angry alcoholic, and I used to hate my dad. And then I became a Christian, uh, and I just intensely disliked him. And uh, so, and, and then I began to realize, well, wait a minute, I'm a Christian now. And I began to realize, you know what, if I don't forgive him, I'm, I'm becoming just, I didn't even know my dad, and I was becoming just like him. 
Now, for my dad, you know, you could, you know, there was the war and fighting the Pacific and an old 3rd Marine Division guy coming back and trying to drink away all the horrors of war and hated God and man and us and, and uh, uh, everybody until the day he died, unfortunately. Um, but uh, so he was, there was all this brokenness with him. But I thank God um, that in my life I had one family show up. One family. Guess what it was, okay? It was a young life leader. Ever heard of young life? Worked with high school kids like me that didn't go to church and were a mess. And so all of a sudden, I got to see a family all lit up with God's life and love. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. How can you just flat change not just your family, but somebody else's home as well? And the way we'll do that is, is those are two big foundational things. You know, um, bring grace to your homes. You know, be able to, to get a new legacy started with the Lord's love and power and restoration. Those are big rocks. Guess what I want to talk to you about? I want to talk to you about five really small things, but I'm telling you, you bring these five things into your home and they can begin to change everything. Now it's wrapped around this concept called the blessing, which is not what you do when people sneeze, you know. Um, and, and so really what it is, is so I'll share with you first of all, what is the blessing? Then we'll look at what blocks the blessing, some of us from, from giving it to others. And then we'll look at those five, real quickly, those, those five things that you do biblically when you bless someone. So when you walk out of here, you're at least going to be able to know, I mean, you're not going to be able to walk out of here and not say you don't know what it means to be a blessing. Have you ever heard that in scripture? We're called to be a blessing. Well, what in the world does that mean? Every time somebody sneezes, we're there, you know? Well, no, that doesn't mean, well, you'll find out what it is. Just hang in there for a couple minutes, but let's start with what God says it is. And guess what it is wrapped around? It is wrapped around a choice. So in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, let me read you a verse. This is Joshua, who's taken over from Moses. He's taken the baton. Now, he's the leader of God's people. And I mean, he says to everybody, the north and the south, they're all together now. They've left um, Egypt. They're on their way to the promised land. And just before they go across the Jordan, he puts half the people up on Mount Gerizim, half the people up on Mount Ebal. He walks down the middle of the Valley of Jezreel. Ever heard of that? That's where Armageddon will be. But anyway, as he's there, this great microphone God gives him, it'd be like ASU, U of A game, and he puts half the people on one side, half the people on the other, and he says, I call heaven and earth to witness that I have set before you, and here it is, a choice. So it's one choice, but there's two parts. So look at the kind of company the word blessing keeps, okay? Listen to this choice. I call heaven and earth the witness that I have set before you a choice. Here's the first one, life or death. Life or death. Now, what does that mean? Well, the word life, remember just a minute ago when uh, Pastor Brad had you stand up and, you know, meet somebody and, and talk to them a little bit. Here's a discussion question. Well, guess what you had to do when you did that? You had to get up. Most of you did anyway. You had to move towards somebody. Well, that's what the word life means. It's a picture in the Old Testament, for example, of blood moving through the body. That's why the shedding of blood was such a big deal, because it stopped the flow of blood, and that's a bad thing if that uh, ever happens. So the idea of movement in the New Testament is moving towards something or someone. And here's the great news. When Doug Barham, who was my young life leader, showed up and told me about this guy named Jesus, one of the first things he said was, guess what? He is life. 
Okay, you're looking for it in a lot of places, but Jesus is life. So when we choose Jesus, his life comes into us. And then he gets us moving towards people maybe we could never even imagine. I mean, let me tell you, I could never imagine at the time when I came to know Jesus loving my dad or trying to. But it is amazing. Boy, once you know the love of God, he can get us stepping towards people, even, even people we never imagined we could, much less our family, much less our friends, the people that we do, do life with. So we're to choose life, but hang on a minute. It's a choice. So this is the other thing you can do. Okay, well, forget Jesus. I mean, don't, but let's say that, you know, but you could do that and forget stepping towards other people. This is what death literally means in scripture. It means to step away. Now, I'm a marriage and family counselor. My day job is at Moody Bible is I train Christian counselors on how to walk well with people. And I am here to tell you every stinking week I see great, awesome, wonderful people and they didn't start off emotional miles away from each other. They just started slowly stepping away. And I'm telling you, emotionally, when you start stepping away from a spouse or a friend or your sibling or your parents or your roommate, when you start stepping away from people, you're going to start seeing those relationships start dying. Now, here's the great news. What about Jesus? We you know, emotionally step away from him. What's he doing? Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I mean, he's not going anywhere. So the great news is, man, whenever we wake up and we want to step towards him or say, Lord, you're in my life now, unleash me to live for others. Man, he's just, he's more than ready to, to empower us to do that. So we're to choose life over death and we're to choose, what's the second thing? Right in the same company, you got life and death. We also have blessing and curse. That's because they're huge. What's blessing? Well, the word blessing, look up here just a second, means to bow the knee. There's two pictures. The first one is to bow the knee. So do me a favor, lean over to somebody right next to you. This won't kill you. And bow to them right now. Just come on. Do I know it's weird, but go ahead and bow. To All right, now how weird is that? That is pretty weird. Okay. So, okay, come here, kid. Pick them up, you know, on the deal. Come here. Hi, honey. No, no, no. Um, just stay with me. It's a, it's a picture of an attitude that we're to have towards God's people towards our family, towards loved ones. Man, we're to say to them, man, you are a rock star. You, I just, you know, you have such, you have so much value. So that's what you did when somebody walked in that you bowed to. It was saying you have great value. But hang on a minute, there's two pictures. The second one is, it'd be like you reached in your pocket and you just took out a coin and you handed it to somebody. That's the literal picture behind, so that a bless is, because you're so valuable, I want to add to your life, like adding a coin to a scale. But we're going to see there's five things that you always added to somebody's life. So do me a favor, take your wallet out, hand it to somebody. No, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Okay, but, but we're to add to people's life. So do you get the choice God puts before us? Number one is choose life in him. Because, man, when you do, he will rock your world and your family and get you moving towards him, even if it's tough. But the other thing is, so don't step away, step towards, and you want to add because they're valuable and you want to you know, help them to understand that instead of curse. And guess what the word curse means? The word curse literally means to dam up the stream. It's a picture of subtraction. Now, not a good way like the Colorado River. Let's dam it up so we can control the flow. They're saying, this picture a desert dweller, and that's the only water, and you dam up the stream, and that life-giving water doesn't go down to somebody. 
Now let me tell you, that's a flat choice. Whether or not you're going to step towards and add, or you're going to dam up the stream and step away. So, well, why, you know, that, but it should be a real easy choice, right? I mean, how hard is that? Just, okay, everybody just go home, step towards each other, and uh, add to each other's life, let's close in prayer. No, actually, we have a few more minutes, so don't close in prayer. Half of you went, okay, gosh, that's good. Actually, um, hang on a minute, because you know what? Um, why is it so hard for some of us, not you, but people you may know, why is, it so, why is it so hard for some of us to actually step towards people and keep stepping towards them even when it's tough? Why is it tough to add to somebody's life? Well, um, when Brad introduced me, uh, very great, you know, uh, grateful for the introduction he gave me, but um, I mean, I can't believe he didn't say probably the thing that I'm most known for, and I don't want to brag, but if God's given you the talent, he's given it to you, right, is art. And so I just have to be really good at art. And so um, let me put up a picture I drew. And uh, so, um, so here's the deal. Let's say, because you were at one point, Let's say you're 10 years old. So what I want you to do, lean over to somebody right now, somebody around you, nobody by yourself, okay. Where were you when you were 10 years old? Ready, go, yak with somebody. Where were you when you were 10? That's roughly, I don't even know what grade that is. What grade is 10 years old? Fifth, fourth, fourth or fifth grade. Where were you when you were 10 years old? Okay, you got that picture in mind? And some of you aren't 10, so you're gonna have to go forward a little bit, but most of us are 10. Okay, all right, so at 10 years old, I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. There's my mom, she's a rheumatoid arthritic. She's already medically retired by the time we're 10. Uh, so dad's bailed out, mom can't work, we're working all the time. And we don't know Christ, we're just lost as a goose. And, um, and bottom line is, is there's so much uh, going on, but all of a sudden, when we're in about 10, 11, 12, 13, that kind of that junior year time, before we get there, guess what happens to not all of us, but to some of us, a lot of us, is we end up with some real hurt in our life, okay? So draw a little heart. Let's put our guy up there and leave him up there a minute. Um, you know, we, we, you draw a little heart in there, and in there is a bunch of hurt. Well, the problem is that we don't, we don't get it. I mean, we're kids. Uh, how do you deal with hurt when you're a kid? I tried running away. That doesn't work. They find you. They bring you home, you know, that kind of a deal. And, and um, so we don't know how to process it. But all of a sudden, junior high comes along. And guess what? All of a sudden, we begin to think. There it is. We stumble across something that actually, instead of with all the abuse you're taking in junior high or whatever, you know, you've, you find something you're pretty good at. Now, my older brother, Joe, was real heavy as a kid. And then all of a sudden, seventh grade, he started sprouting. By freshman year, he's 6'1". He only weighed about 170 as a freshman. By senior year, he's first team all-state offensive tackle at Arcadia, I went to Arcadia 100 years ago, and my older, Joe had gotten so big, he's now, you know, uh, roughly 260, and benching, any of you guys lift, 
free weights benching 320 as a senior in high school, which will crush your chest if you don't, if you haven't, you know anything about weightlifting. You know, I mean, he's a, was a total stud. And let me tell you, the more he lifted weights, so what Joe began to realize was, well, man, I've got all the, he was picked on, picked on, and then all of a sudden, nobody's messing with Joe. And then I have a really smart twin brother. Who's, who's here that is a smart, uh, who's a really smart brother or sister? Who has a sibling that's really smart? Oh, you're all the smart ones. Okay. Well, um, I have a really smart twin brother. Um, he's an MD, PhD. Jeff was the scientific director for the Human Genome Project at the NIH. I mean, the real one. They're the ones that crack the genetic code. Uh, Jeff runs TGen right now downtown, the Translational Genomics Institute. I called him the other day. I go, hey, what are you working on? He goes, eh, you wouldn't understand. And, uh, <laughs> and so Jeff realized all of a sudden, now remember, we don't know Christ. We're trying to figure out this who am I identity piece in our life. Well, for Joe, Joe it's, it's, you know, I can lift weights. Nobody's going to bug me. For Jeff, he was usually the smartest kid in the room. Jeff graduated summa cum laude at Indiana University. Summa. Do you know what that means? That, that's above magna. That means you were the top of the entire school, not just your class. I graduated lordy how come, uh, frankly. Uh, I mean, I got into junior college on probation. Uh, I, I went to TCU, Mighty Frogs, on probation. I got into seminary, on probation. I got into my doctoral program, on probation. There's a, there's a pattern there. Uh, but I am uh, persistent. And uh, so here's this super smart, and then there's me. Well, I'm not as smart as Jeff. I'm not as good as an athlete as Joe was. Um, but I could be angry, which actually does help you in athletics. It helped me in wrestling. I wrestled in college. And the bottom line is, is that you take all that anger, but then all of a sudden you're out of sports and it just ruins your relationships. Actually, it ruined them before, but I didn't really care before. But now I'm a Christian and it's still ruining my relationships. But, you know, so what I'm getting at is, is I don't care where you're at, but just think about your life story today. For some of us, man, we realized early on, well, you know what? I'm smart. I'm pretty. I, I can make money. I mean, at 10 or 12 years old, maybe you were making money hand over fist compared to your friends, and you still are. And then we think that's life. And then we come to know Christ because life isn't going so great because here's what's happened for most of us. For a lot of us, uh, we think, well, man, this is, you know, I, I need this identity to be something that's really a gift of life. Not, you know, it's not the source of life. So I'm going to be strong or, or smart or I'm going to serve people really well or I can use my words really well, whatever it is. And we get better at something and we think that's our identity and it's really our self-protection mechanism. And, and so then we think, well, man, I, this isn't working. I know what will solve everything. Let's go to the next one is we just need to get married. That'll solve everything, right? Just because uh, uh, th then you have no problems as soon as you get married. Isn't that right? Anyway, if your spouse is sitting next to you, say yes, that's right. I, I have no, no. But actually, um, what? They're coming in with their own issues and challenges. Now, men and women, I, I'm here to tell you, to be able to bless somebody, you have to see them. And if you are wrapped up in self-protection, if you're so busy trying to you know, make it, and you know you're faking it, um, but you're so busy trying to make it and figure out that identity piece, I, I, I'm telling you, uh, you're not going to see the people around you to be able to bless them. Well, I thank God I had some people in my life that helped wake me up, this Doug Barham guy that led me to Christ. You know, he's 80 years old now, 80 years old, and he still calls me. 
<laughs> so he calls me the other day. Listen to this. He texts me this. Um, I can't even believe he's texting at 80. But anyway, he texts me. And he goes, hey, John, I texted you something. You need to read it. Listen to this. Listen to what he says. Um, so, so he goes, I fell asleep the other night, and there was Jesus standing right next to me. And he said, go ahead, ask me. Because there had been a question Doug had been just struggling with. Now think about it. He's 80 years old, 80 years old, up in Washington. And he, he goes, you know, well, he said, I want you, I want, uh, he goes, well, I want you to tell me, what, what do you want me to know? And he answered, well, I want you to know who you are. And then I said, well, Lord, that's my real question. Who am I? And he held me, so this is Jesus, he held me and he said to me twice, you are mine. You are mine. Well, I broke into tears and wept and I said, well, then, so what do you want me to do? Because isn't that us? I mean, that's, we, okay, well, Lord, thanks. Well, now let me go back to my image. Let me go do, what do, what do you want me to do? And he goes, I just want you to stay right here in my arms and rest. Wow. Let, let me tell you, forget this whole image thing. Um, what we need is just what Pastor said. We need that impartation of God's love to come into our homes and families and blow it up. So if you can't see somebody, it can be because of self-protection. Here's another thing. It could be because of a burden that you haven't given to the Lord. I just talked to a guy, I'm not kidding you, he said, you know, for the last 10 years, he come, comes up to me and he says, you know what, we've been in so much financial difficulty for the last 10 years, I really haven't seen my family. And if you don't think a burden can erase your ability to bless and love others, you need to give that burden to Jesus and to those around you. Here's another one, is behaviors. None of you struggle with behaviors, um, but I have some behaviors that can can block us from blessing others that maybe Jesus isn't thrilled about. And the sad thing is, is if we have behaviors that Jesus isn't thrilled about and we're hiding those, what it begins to suck away all of our energy. So guess what? Our focus becomes on hiding that behavior, not being a real person and certainly not seeing other people. So we got to say, Lord, help me to deal with those behaviors that aren't great. And then here's the last one is the past. And I know some of you are going, ah, the past, that doesn't affect me, affect me, affect me. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and you don't see it affecting you, and I'm telling you, the people in your home see it every stinking day, uh, which was true with me. And uh, I want to just share with you one Greek word. I was a Greek major at Dallas Seminary because I got some bad advice. And, um, but <laughs> I majored in Greek, never even having had Spanish but, uh, or any language. But when you're a Greek major, you do a bunch of word studies. The first verb you learn in Greek, anybody taking Greek? The first verb you learn, because it's the only regular verb in all of Greek, basically, is the word luo, which is the Greek word for forgiveness. Guess what it means, literally? It means to untie the knot. See, when I was so angry at my dad, I was, even after I came to the Lord, I was so tied up in knots, I wasn't really free to go bless him, anybody, him or anybody, the way I should be. Well, you know what? I mean, that's, I'm just begging you. Man, what is it that's fueling you? Is it Jesus's love or is it self-protection or barriers or burdens? Man, take it to Jesus. Hang out with the great people here and, and share with them. And guess what? You'll find out we're all struggling with stuff. Who has at least one area in your life you could work on? Let me see your hand. Okay. And if you can't raise your hand, then pick lying. That would be a good one. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So all of us, all of us have issues. 
But where do we go from there? Well, uh, okay, we, we're called to be a blessing. That's a choice. Just like life or death, man, there's blessing or curse. Well, when we give Jesus' life, we can bless people. And we don't have to worry, you know, we can, he can give us the, the, the ability to deal with all the hurt. But what do you do? Because that was my problem. You know, we didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't know what it meant to bless somebody. So here we go, five things real quick, and then we'll, we'll close up here. Um, number one is, every time a blessing was given in Scripture to somebody, every time you said, I'm going to step towards somebody and add to their life, guess what it started with? Appropriate, meaningful touch. That's number one. So do me a favor. This won't kill you. Lean over to somebody around you and just shake their hand. This won't kill you. Just shake somebody. Hey, way to go. Wake them up. Hey, how's it going? Wake up. I'm supposed to shake your hand. Okay, all right. All right. So, all right, everybody. All right, so appropriate. Now lean back. Look at whoever's hand you took. Lean back. Look at somebody whose hand you shook and look at their eyes. Look them right in the eye. All right. Did, did you see their eyes have dilated? Okay, maybe it was the chili cheeseburger that you had before you came in here. Actually, that's not the salsa effect. That's the appropriate touch. Just the laying on of hands, like it says in Scripture. In Genesis chapter 27, here's this dad. He goes, please come close and kiss me, my son. Guess how old Jacob was when his dad said to him, get over here and give me a hug. He was 40 years old, 40 years old. Dad was in his 70s and said, get over here and give me a hug and give me a kiss. Remember when Jesus, when they told the kids, I, 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 Jesus is busy, and Jesus says, come over here. What's the first thing you did before he even said a word to him? And Jesus, what? Put them in his arms and bless them. So appropriate. How many times have I said appropriate? All right, you can't walk out of here and hug everything that moves. This isn't Atlanta, all right? Uh, you'll, get, you'll get arrested if you do that here. But appropriate touch. You know, and, and that's part of what's great about this church. You walk in, somebody shakes your hand. They look you in the eye. You know, they see, you know, maybe you're a little down. Somebody comes and put their hand on your shoulder. Hey, what's going on? Well, what do you do then? Number one is, two is, so one is appropriate touch. Two is you tell them something verbally. And I, I, I am, I, you know what? Don't raise your hand. But I guarantee you there's a lot of people in this room that you know you were loved, but you never heard it. Well, if that's the case, then you may have been loved, but you never got the blessing. If you want to bless somebody, it was always verbalized. You said it. Well, what did you say? Well, you said words that attach high value to somebody. What in the world does that mean? Well, that means you look at whoever that is, that person that God's put in your life. Now, it could be person you're dating. It could be your roommate. It could be your kids if you're a parent. It could be your spouse. You know, but you look at that person that God's put in your life story, and you look at them, and you can, guess what? You can see something in their life that God can use like crazy, and they don't see it. Because when we're so broken and we're so focused on our, you know, image or we're burdened or whatever, we don't see it. And man, we can look at somebody's life and speak into them in a way that it just changes their life forever. Uh, let me prove it to you. Number four is special future. Okay, number four is special future. And number five is uh, genuine commitment. Okay, so 
here's my mom, single parent mom, great, awesome, wonderful mom, and she's got an older brother, Joe, you know, who uh, is driving heavy equipment and doing great, and she's got a twin brother, Jeff, that's already got a full ride to Indiana, and then she's got me that was kicked out of grade school, <laughs> which isn't good. We didn't just steal the chocolate milk, we stole the chocolate milk machine, uh, and were uh, uh, asked to leave school, and then uh, kicked out of high school and total mess, and, uh, and um, uh, but guess what? It was senior year, and it was the mother of all term papers. Anybody remember the mother of all term papers? Okay, um, and if I didn't pass this, I wasn't going to graduate, but I wanted to graduate because I hated school, and I was ready to get out, and so I worked really hard. Now, I didn't start to the night before, but I, I worked really hard, and <laughs> And I turn in this paper. Anybody remember the anybody remember the movie the red with the red rider BB gun called the Christmas story? Anybody remember that one? And he writes a theme to the teacher and turns it in. Anybody remember? And what is what does she do? The teacher. He, in his mind, he's in class. She goes up on the board. What does she write on the board? A plus 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 plus. And all the kids carry him around. And I'm telling you, this is the absolute, you know, I, I just I was so certain. I had, it was a paper on the Battle of the Bulge, and I had turned it in, and man, I'm going to change. They're going to put it in print. This is going to be such a great, it may be a high school paper, but it was the best thing on the Battle of the Bulge ever written. And I turned it in, and I'm thinking they're going to carry me around the class, and the teacher's going to give me an A. And um, they, she hands out the class, you know, right at the end, you know, and I got to pass this or I'm not going to graduate, and here's all this red. And uh, okay, second page, worse, third page. I get to the end, I still have the paper. At the very end, here's a big, huge D minus, not B, D minus. And she's written the words, the only reason I'm giving you a D is because I don't want to see you next year. Well, I'm thinking, you know, I'm sitting there, I read, and I go, well, I don't want to see you either, you know, but what am I really thinking, you know? So I'm, I'm walking off going, what, awesome, I'm out of here, I got a D, awesome. But what am I really thinking? I, I mean, I have a super smart brother. What did Jeff get on his term paper? A. So I get home, and of course, mom wants to know if I'm going to graduate. You know, that would be good for the grandparents and stuff. Are they going to, am I going to walk? And, and so long story short is, she goes, hey, where's your paper? And I go, I don't have it. And I go, what? Yeah, I go, the dog ate it. We had a bulldog. And uh, the dog, you know, he didn't want to eat it, but he ate it. And... Um, <laughs> And she goes, no, come on, Sam didn't need it. Where's your paper? So I give her the paper. Now watch what she did. So this is, this is, you know, it's so simple to bless, but it can be so powerful. So my mom is a rheumatoid arthritic. Ever seen their hands? So she takes my, she goes, hold my hand. Oh, we hated that. We called it the death grip. Because if you, she didn't squeeze your hand. She couldn't. But if you tried to pull away when she was holding your hand, it would twist her wrist and she'd cry. And so you had to hold, it's, ah, oh, hold my hand, ah, oh, okay. I'm sitting at this stupid kitchen table. And, um, and so she reads the whole paper while she holds my hand. And then she goes, look at me. It says in Proverbs, bright eyes makes the heart glad. Look at me. So she makes me look her right in the eye. And she goes, why didn't you wake me up? Because I didn't do footnotes, that was boring. And I had handwritten the last two pages because I'd run out of typewriter ribbon. Anybody old enough to remember typewriters? Okay, I'd run out, so I hand wrote the last, but it was well written, you know. And, and, uh, and, and she goes, look at me. And, and I, I go, what? And she goes, I don't care what that teacher said. Now I'm telling you, I can tell you where she was sitting at the table and what she was wearing. But my mom looks at me and she goes, you know what? I don't care what that teacher says. You do such a good job of using words when you write. 
I wouldn't be surprised if God used you someday to help other people with, with your words, okay? Well, I mean, no, none of my teachers were telling me that, I'll tell you that, okay? But I thank God I had one person in my life that did. So that's, those are those five things. I mean, they're so simple. We're going to use our touch and our words to help people see what God has inside them that maybe they can't see so that they begin to believe they have a special future. And we're going to say to them, I'm going to be with you in the process. And so just do those five. That's a formula. Just do all five of them and you'll never have any problems and your kids won't either, right? <laughs> or maybe, well, hey, Carrie. Carrie! Yeah. So let's give it up for our oldest daughter, the Carrie Stagebird. All right. We have another daughter uh, that's on a bus. Uh, she's a young life leader. What a shock and a nurse. But she's um, on her way from North Carolina to Texas on a bus with a bunch of kids. And so, Carrie, you get to work with me at Strong Families. And by the way, I never, well, first of all, were any of those five things a part of our home growing up? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, but did I never, like, uh, I, I was like perfect and your mom was, we were both like, we never had any uh, issues or challenges, right? Yeah, none. Yeah, thank you. Okay, let's close in prayer. Yeah. No, um, except like, uh, oh, I can remember one. Uh, so um, when they were really little, I know Carrie was maybe, I don't know, maybe eight, Laura was four. I remember um, when I used to get ticked at the kids. I remember saying to Cindy one day, you know what, Cindy, I want to add, not subtract. I want to bless these kids. And uh, anything you see in my life that I could do, just tell me one thing, just one small thing. Don't ever ask that, okay? Uh, but Cindy, I asked Cindy that, she goes instantly, she goes, yeah, you can quit pointing your finger in anger at the girls when you get ticked at them. I go, what are you talking about? And, and, and I go, when you get mad, she goes, when you get ticked at the kids, you know what I mean, DEFCON 3, then she goes, hey, I would go, hey, get over here right now, get over here, right, get over here right now. And um, now, um, Carrie, you know, I, I, I mean, Cindy tells me this, and I go, I don't do that, I will prove to you that I don't do that, you know. <laughs> so I get both kids in, and um, I, I go, you know, Carrie and Laura, and how, was, how old's Laura then, maybe uh, She's probably four. Four, four, and, and so Carrie, Carrie's a little bit older. I go, all right, kids, you know when dad occasionally, rarely, almost never points his finger at you in anger? Anytime I pay my, point my finger in anger, I will, I will pay you, and I reach in my, my uh, wallet, and I said, I, I took out a dollar bill, and I said, I will pay you one dollar on the spot because I want to add to your life, not, not take away. Now, Carrie, I never actually lost any money, did I? Uh, do you want me to be honest? Yeah, <laughs> this is a church. Yes, that would be a good thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we got hamsters with accessories, and I think mom even got some new clothes. No, no. that's a little exaggerated. Um, mom didn't. Mom only got five bucks, and uh, it was only one hamster. They gave us the other one free because it was gave blind. Us two. Well, he was blind, but uh, anyway, so <laughs> they just gave it. So. Um, Okay, so I wasn't perfect, but Carrie, you were perfect. You never, oh, yeah, I mean, we tried our best to bless you, and so you never had any problems, right? Share your yeah. story for just a minute as we are closing up here. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, I did grow up in an incredible family, and I'm so thankful that I did have two parents that gave us their blessing. Um, but the reality is, is that we have a choice whether or not we believe what God has to say about us. And for me personally, I chose to listen to what other people in the world had to say instead of my family and the Lord. And that ended up leading me to a place of really great brokenness. 
And I'm really thankful though that uh, my family continued to pursue me even though there was a time where I really didn't want that. Um, and when my life kind of came to a head and I came crawling back and uh, my family began to find out about everything, uh, I'm really grateful that uh, they continued to give me their blessing. And I'll never forget, um, kind of like my dad with his mom at the kitchen table, I'll never forget sitting down with them and my dad just putting his hand on my shoulder and saying, Carrie, it's not where you've been, it's where you're going and giving me his blessing to move forward into the future that God had for me. And that really changed everything and gave me that um, special future. Wow. Well, um, yeah, is that cool or what? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was, you know, really the Lord saying the whole time, you know, hey, you really need me and, and we need you and we're so proud of you. And now, gosh, you know, you're married, you've got two dogs. Uh, you, 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 you run our ministry. I just kind of show up. And, uh, and so do me a favor as we close, because this isn't just some kind of formula deal. I mean, there's ebb and flow and challenges, but man, Jesus can make all the difference. And so do me a favor, close us in prayer, and then pastor will come up and we'll close everything off. All right? Uh, before I close really quick, I mean, I think part of why we really wanted to do this is that so often it can seem like the person speaking has it all together and doesn't have any of those challenges. And we just wanted to be really open about the fact that every family has issues. And if God can change my life and change and heal our family, he can do it in yours. Um, so, Lord, that's just what I want to declare today, God, is that you are able to fix anything. Lord, there is nothing that we have done or that has happened and our relationships that is beyond your ability to heal. God, and you are the great restorer. You're the healer. It's what you do. It's what you love to do. And I just declare that right now in the name of Jesus, where there's brokenness, you will bring healing. And Lord, I just pray for courage for us to step towards others, for us to step towards you and to really allow you to come into those broken places and create restoration and healing. I thank you for your grace. I thank you that you have given each of us an incredible future um, and we just declare that this is the start of, um, of healing and true depth in our relationships. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Could we honor and thank Dr. Trent for being here with a round of applause? Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Gateway Church, please visit our website at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv.